Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Looking at a community through the brand market value instead of a transactional value, that's the signature value of my book, I think. This is the first book to really think about it that way. And I think everybody who reads this thing, it's just going to unleash all these new ideas and all these new perspectives, just as it did in you. And it's the right book at the right time. Why do we have insights when our mind is quiet? How do insights play a role in our ability to learn? And when do they impact the trajectory of our lives? Welcome to Insight Out, where we explore these questions and dissect how insights influence who we are and ultimately who we become. I interview New York Times bestselling authors and some of the most influential minds of our time to find out what insights have helped to make them who they are. When I realized that the world worked in many different ways, I'm going to choose to create a life that is specifically designed for me. I see infinite capacity to think and create. That's the magic that we all have. You can tap into that any point in your life. You just have to decide to do it. And as a leader, you have to be a transition figure. As Dr. Covey said, be a light, not a judge. Be a model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. My guest today is one of the world's leading marketing futurists, best-selling author and keynote speakers who helps people rise above the noise. He's somebody that I've interviewed before. I originally got exposed to his work because of his book, Known. And it was through a friend of mine, John Asperian, who I absolutely treasure and value his insights and input. And he raved about this book. So I picked it up and immediately I was hooked. He's also the author of Marketing Rebellion, The Content Code, Return on Influence, The Tao of Twitter, Social Media Explained. And today we're going to talk about his latest book. And I'm so excited to dive in, Belonging to the Brand, Why Community is the last great marketing strategy. So this is a fascinating topic to explore. I'm delighted to have returned to Inside Out, Mark Schaefer. Hey, Billy. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled. So let's dive in. And where I want to start, you talked about emotion. And when I read your book, and actually I listened to your book, one of the things that struck me immediately, and it was something that I, I cannot get out of my head. And it was super brave on your part is you told a very vulnerable story and you did it in such a way that helped to create an understanding of why community is so important and why it resonated with me so much. It's because I'm a father. I have a, I almost said 10 year old. He just turned 11. I have 11 year old boy. And what I don't control is what happens to him at school. I don't control that. And there's no saying what can or can't happen at school. And you had an experience in your life that could have led in a very wrong direction. And it was certainly traumatic, but what it helped to do in the long term was put you in a position to embrace a community that you didn't even know would become your community. So I wondered if we could start by you telling a little bit, whatever you're comfortable sharing the story and how you found a community at a young age that was so integral and so important to you becoming the human being that you are today. First and foremost, this is a, it's, a, it's a business book. The reason that I wrote this book is because this is a huge overlooked opportunity for marketing. I think it might be the, the biggest overlooked opportunity in the history of overlooked opportunities. Having said that, it also, I think, addresses a trend in our world. I think it's the mega trend of our world right now, and that's mental health. 
It's everywhere. It's in the news every day. And the thing that really ignited me was a, a story I read in the New York Times a few years ago. And the headline was The Loneliest Generation. And it talked about our children, the teenagers today. They're lost and they're isolated and they're lonely and they're depressed at just unbelievable levels. And it sort of created this flashback in me about how when I was 12 years old, I, I, I had moved to this new school and I think it was on my first day of school, I kind of got trapped in this, this dark basement locker room. It was a very, very old school, kind of a creepy environment. And this bully, uh, he was a ninth grader. And I mean, there's a big difference between a seventh grader just coming out of the sixth grade and this ninth grader who had a mustache. And he was huge. And he cornered me, let's just say, to keep it clean, I escaped a, an attempt at a sexual molestation. And as I was running out of this room, he told me that he would kill me if I ever told anybody. So I became a ghost. I just lived in a shadow. And then the situation got worse because then my parents made me go to a different school. And you know, it was probably a good thing. And they probably detected that there was something wrong with me. You know, I gave up all my activities. I just gave up. I just wanted to hide. I wanted to hide from this guy's stare. So now I was in a new school. It was a school of people that had been together for years. They were very clicky and they kind of rejected newcomers and I was a newcomer. So I went the whole first semester. I don't think I had a, a, a real meaningful conversation with anybody in that school. And I was going the wrong way. I was depressed. As a little kid, you don't really recognize it as depression. But as I look back, it's like, wow. I mean, I was really heading down the wrong way. And then I tried out for the school play. And I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know what got into me. Maybe it was an act of desperation. I had never been in a play. I had never sang a song in front of people before. But I tried out for the school musical. And in this school, the musical was a big, big deal. Everybody was in it the jocks and the cheerleaders and the nerds and everybody because uh, they had this really popular theater teacher and everybody wanted to be in this thing. And so I tried out, they posted the results and I looked and I didn't see my name. And then everybody started saying, who's Mark Schaefer? I was standing right there. That's how invisible I was. Well, the reason I didn't see my name is because it was at the top. I got the lead in the high school musical. It was like divine intervention. But for the first time in a long, long time, I belonged to something. I was accepted by this group of people, and I was mentored by the older people. And all of a sudden, I had this minor sort of celebrity. I became the alpha male of the drama club. <laughs> and the girls like me. And it just completely unleashed my personality. Unleashed my confidence at this critical time in my life. And here's how I connect the dots. Let's think back to this article that was in the New York Times. There are millions of children that are going through now what I was going through. It's very well documented. These record rates. Let me just give you one statistic that I, to me is mind-blowing. Children well, young adults aged 18 to 24, 51% of them have sought medical attention for a mental health problem. The average for all other generations is 24%, including me. I got gray hair. The average for everybody else in the world is 24%. 18 to 24 is 51%. That's just one little thing. And like I said, this is in the news everywhere. And so what haunts me is what if they don't get ignited? What if they don't get accepted? What if they don't belong somehow? We need to belong. I did some really deep dives, Billy, on the psychology and sociology of community. And it's profound. And then you connect this with this business imperative that we have right now in the world, which is this, 
the old way we used to do marketing just doesn't work. That's what you and I talked about when we talked about marketing rebellion. Those old ways, it doesn't work anymore. And we've got to find new solutions. And I think part of that solution is community. This book is not a book that says, hey, everybody, start a community and save the world. This is a book. It's a business book. It's a compelling business case for why community has been overlooked as a brand marketing strategy. Having said that, it's not just marketing that works. It's marketing that heals. And I think we need to pay attention to that because this is the right strategy at the right time in our world. Thank you, first and foremost, for sharing and also for being brave enough to put it in your book and to talk about it now because this is trauma. Like, and, and what you experienced could have resulted and probably did to some degree, but life-changing had you not found that community. And you mentioned this in the book, how would your life be different? Had you not gotten the lead? Had you not become immersed in this, this community where you, you really felt at home and you felt like you belonged? I loved the story because one, it's personal. And, and anytime you could tell a personal story from the heart, I think it resonates, it sticks. And of everything in, in the book, I mean, I, I loved the book start to finish. That piece of it though, set the stage. It set the stage and it created the, in my opinion, there's a lot of business books out there, but it, you humanized your book. It's so on brand for you to do that. So I wasn't surprised, but I applaud you for that. I want to dive in on what you just talked about with this, which is a psychology piece and when what you found, because I think that also sets the stage for the rest of our conversation. What did you find when it, as it relates to the psychology, either studies or other things that help us understand why, why we need to belong so much? Yeah. Let's set the stage here for the opportunity that most communities fail, business communities. And the reason they fail is because businesses want to sell stuff. Now, of the communities that make it, 70% are focused on customer self-service. It's transactional, which is fine, but they're missing this bigger opportunity to connect with customers on a truly sustained emotional level, which is like the dream of branding. So that sets the stage. Now, when you get into the psychology of community, we need community. We long to belong. And the studies show not only are there obvious psychological benefits, but there are psychological deficits to loneliness. I point out this study. It was the longest health study in human history. It's an 80-year study by Harvard of the same group of people. And then they studied their children and their grandchildren. And they're trying to find out what leads to a healthy and happy life. Is it how you grow up, where you grow up? Is it a matter of education, wealth, nutrition? None of that mattered. Here was the conclusion of the study. Your long-term health and viability as a human being depends on meaningful human relationships. The conclusion of the study was loneliness kills. That's how profound this is. And by the way, you know, we're having this conversation. We're going to talk about these big ideas. This is not Mark Schaefer's opinion of the world. Everything I'm talking about is backed up with research and, and studies. So, I mean, there's lots and lots of references in, in my book that point to the research that proves these things. There was this amazing research that showed that in a community, when people become friends, when, when they have emotional bonds, not just to the sponsor of the community, the brand, when they have connections with each other, that goodwill, that emotion spills over to the brand. It suggests an amazing marketing strategy would be if you can create human friendships in a community, it could be the strongest loyalty and trust you will have to your brand. It's remarkable. 
It's, it's like a whole new way of thinking about marketing. There's a lot of new ideas like that in this book. I mean, I learned a lot. I mean, to me, this was almost like getting a master's degree. I did research and writing for two years. I was learning myself. It helped me create a better community. And I'm really happy that I think this is going to create a lot of new inspiration, a lot of new ideas for the, the people that read the book. Yeah. The, the number one happiness metric comes down to human connection. I think to your point, there's study after study after study that ties happiness directly back to human connection. And so to your point, when you're thinking about a community, if you could create an emotionally connected environment, that's going to spill over, as you've put it, into the brand. Yes, absolutely. But you also said that, that most brands get it wrong. And you, you highlighted, for example, their sell, sell, sell. You mentioned this in the book. It's sell, sell, sell instead of help, help, help. Which brings me back to John Asperian, who's relentlessly helpful. The way in which he operates is helping other people. And I want to talk about how to get it right. But let's also first figure out like where are they getting it wrong? In addition to being salesy, where are brands, where are communities taking a misstep? All right. Great question. Great question. And an interesting way to think about this is as marketers, we want to create a point of differentiation. That's key. That's the most important thing. So our point of differentiation might be we have the biggest selection or we have the lowest prices or whatever it is. That is fantastic. However, that is not a reason to gather. And we need a reason to gather to form a community. So your point of differentiation might be, we have the largest selection of cheeses in the tri-state area. That's not a reason why people want to gather. Here's why people want to gather. They want to gather if their purpose, an idea, a belief intersects with a purpose, a value, or belief of your company. So I want to grow in a new way. I want to learn. I want to change the world in some way. I want to create meaning. I want to be entertained in a different way. So an easy example to, to think about. Now, one of the things I'm proud about in this book is that I've created a lot of new case studies. B2B, B2C, big companies, small companies, nonprofits. But I'm going to go back to an old case study, a well-known case study, because I think this is something that explains this idea of purpose versus differentiation. Harley Davidson. Harley Davidson sells transportation. Now, think about how a car company markets to you. It's kind of slimy. You'll see an ad. They'll go, we're going crazy. It's a President's Day sale. Come down now. $1,000 off. You don't really know what you're getting. And it's just slimy and weird and interruptive. You'll never hear that from Harley Davidson. Why? Because they've got a community of hundreds of thousands of people. Now, Harley Davidson how do they differentiate themselves? They have interesting things about their motorcycle and the sound of the motorcycle, but here's their purpose. We want to fulfill the dreams of our customers through the motorcycle lifestyle. Isn't that fascinating? So they want to fulfill your dreams. That's a purpose above and beyond. It's something that transcends product differentiation. And so their purpose is sort of a nice way of saying, we want to help you be a badass. Everything this company does from the top to the bottom is dedicated in an, uh, in an obsessive way. And I have firsthand experience with this. I used to work with Harley Davidson. They are obsessed with making you a badass in everything that they do. That's the intersection of their purpose with people who want to look cool or want to be cool. That's what it really ignites the community. It's, it's the, the intersection 
of that purpose. I don't know if you know my background, but I prior to starting a business, I worked for Tesla and it was a very purpose-driven company, very mission-driven company, much like Harley Davidson's not going to put out cheesy ads. Tesla will never do the same thing. They have a loyal community. They built a community and yeah, none, none. <laughs> so, and you mentioned, I think one of the examples in your book amongst so many great new case studies, Coca-Cola and others as well, who have shared beliefs, shared purpose. It's really interesting when you think about it from, from that perspective. I'm curious if you're a business owner and let's say you don't have a big brand like, like a Coke or a Harley or a Tesla, but you want to help to provide more visibility into what could be a shared vision, a shared belief that others could rally around. How do you start that process? Well, first of all, you know, I think the thing that everybody should take uh, some comfort in is that I think the big brands have a harder time doing this than smaller brands because everything the big brand does is going to have to p- pass through the legal department, right? Small brands, medium-sized brands, especially if you've got uh, an owner or a founder that is really connected to their customers and audience, they've got a better chance of succeeding at this, I think, than the biggest brands. So there is a starting point that I found that is common for every community I studied, that it started with a core group of customers or fans that just love what you do. Could be part of your audience. It could be your best podcast listeners, the blog readers that leave you comments all the time. And they connect with you in some way, either as a business or as part of your audience. There's a case study in the book about a B2B marketing agency in outside of London, in Bournemouth, England. They've created a community so big and so successful that it's bigger than the company. You mentioned John Asperian. I think he's kind of moving that direction too mm-hmm. with, with his community. This is an, uh, another person over in England. It started with six people who, go, who went to lunch together and they had shared ideas. They sort of had a shared vision of where business was going. Uh, they were like-minded. And then people started saying, can I bring some other people to lunch? They, I've got a friend who would really like these discussions, right? And now they took up a whole table and then they took up a whole room. And so, you know, Mark Masters decided, let's codify this. Let's, let's get organized about this. Let's meet in a regular way. Let's have an online place we can meet. They started having events. They started having campfires and discussions and debates and parties and they even have like game night. <laughs> it's just created this huge momentum to this community that now has become bigger than his business. Mark said, I don't know if people even know what the name of my business is because the community has now overwhelmed the business. He's all in because the community is driving more revenue than the business. And this is a common idea that we talked about purpose, but it also starts with just a few people the biggest community in the world that I know of is probably Twitch. Millions and millions of people spend on average 90 minutes a day on Twitch. And I have the story in the book. And this guy had this vision and this idea and the strategy and the plan. And he kept getting nagged by a few people who said, you know, we really want to use this live streaming platform to watch other people play video games. And he was like resisting this. He said, that can't be a real thing. People watching each other play video games, but it was so, there was so much energy and so much passion. He finally said, all right, let's bring you in. And that is how Twitch started, which eventually got sold to Amazon for billions of dollars. And this dude will never have to work again. But it was just paying attention to your best fans, your best customers, and fanning the flames. And that is something that has started almost every community. Your case study in the book with Boss Mom is a perfect example of that, where those early followers, those early people who are your supporters, they kind of, it's like kindling almost. They 
set the foundation and then you stoke those flames and it, it, the smoke turns into a fire. And yet the other side to this equation is communities share control. So I'm wondering, it's not another side of the equation as much as it is just a reality. What do you mean and explain why it's so important that it's not just a central figure or entity. It's got to be somewhat of a shared collaboration, co-creating the community. Why is that so important? Well, what you're hitting on here is the difference between an audience and a community. You and I have an audience. We love our audience. Our audience is great. An audience is why we're able to sell things. You know, me and, you know, I mean, that's who hires me to give a speech, to do consulting. That's who buys my books. So an audience is awesome. However, an audience is also sort of like a cult of personality. If I go away, the audience goes away. If you go away, your podcast goes away. Community, what if we could take the best people in our audience, the ones who love us the most, and and create this community and say, you know what? Let's be in this together. We can be greater if we can do this together. Let me give you a very dramatic example of how this works from my own life. I created this community called Rise. Our purpose, the intersection between me and this small group of people that's turning into a larger group of people, is we want to be relevant in marketing. We want to learn what's next. So when I started the community, Billy, I thought, well, these people are going to join this community and they're going to be interested in the, in the things I'm interested in. So I'll have a chat room about personal branding. I'll have a chat room about writing books and writing. And I'll have one about uh, speaking, being a professional speaker. So now we're into this thing for you know a couple of years and those are the emptiest rooms on the site. because they've said, no, we're going another way. We want to learn about the metaverse. We want to learn about Web3. We want to learn about artificial intelligence and chat GPT. And what's happening, Billy, is that I have these people who are experiencing things and learning things all over the world in all these diverse companies and environments. And they're bringing their ideas into this community. And here is the glorious, magnificent thing that's happening. Every blog post I write, every speech I give started with an idea coming from these amazing people. It's bigger than me. It's better than me, but you gotta let it go. It can't be me saying, here's our topic for today, personal branding. They're taking me someplace else. Think of the power on a macro scale. Think of the power of that. And we're seeing this today. Co-creation, collaboration. We're seeing this at Nike and Ikea and Lego and the best managed companies in the world, the best marketers in the world. They're letting go. And they're saying, help us. Help us be relevant. Help us know where to go. And guess what? We'll share that with you. We'll actually share our IP with you. We'll share our profits with you. Take us with you. Help us be relevant in these cultural moments you're seeing wherever you are in the world. That is the power of the brand. Now, here's the other thing that's so fascinating. So this amazing thing, let's go back to me. It's an amazing thing that's happening with me. It's making me more relevant. It's keeping, you know, look, I'm a teacher. I teach like graduate level, senior level marketing people at big companies. I've got to be on top of all of this stuff. They're helping me do that. How do I measure that? How do I put a dollar value to that? I can't. Is it making me successful? Yes. Is it helping me sell more stuff? Yes. Can I measure it? No. So that's one of the key ideas. Looking at a community through the brand market value instead of a transactional value, that's 
the signature value of my book, I think. This is the first book to really think about it that way. And I think everybody who reads this thing, it's just going to unleash all these new ideas and all these new perspectives, just as it did in you. And it's the right book at the right time. Yeah. You you mentioned Ikea. You mentioned Lego. In the book, you talk about Lululemon and this sort of brand relational paradigm, as you put it. And the way in which brands operate in this, this new world that we live in is fascinating. And I want to get into some of the more, what we'll call future elements, AI and Web3 and, and all of that. I want to save that for the last uh, few, few moments here that we spend together. Before we do, I, I want to get into two things. One is this idea of digital campfires. In those events slash experiences have helped to create for brands because I'm fascinated by the idea of just campfire in general because it's really the, the place where we told stories, right? And if we look at historically how we've passed information from generation to generation, it comes back from the campfire and it's us being able to tell stories. So that's really interesting. And then the other component that I want to talk about is that communities are weird. So let's talk about digital campfires and then why are communities weird? Sort of a double-edged question there. Well, the digital campfires sort of go hand in hand with these technological developments you were talking about. So what we're seeing is that, okay, let's go back a step. Today, how do brands learn about their customers? How do they learn about the activities, the views, the sentiment of their customers? Social listening platforms. What are people saying on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? The young people today, they're not there. They're hiding out in these new technological spaces like Discord, like Fortnite, like Twitch, and they are invisible. And they want to be invisible because they want to create their own little communities. So number one lesson is that we need to think about, you know, we have sort of maybe an idea in our mind about, well, communities on Slack or communities of Facebook group. In the last part of my book, I try to open people's minds about where they're going to be showing up next. And by the way, this isn't like some futuristic thing. The first person from Gen Z just got elected to the US Congress. They're here. They're buying stuff. In the next five years, they're going to be leading stuff. So this is not like some way far off thing. Right now, Gen Z and the generations coming behind Gen Z, they are making social listening platforms obsolete. I don't know what the answers are necessarily. I'm not sure anybody does right now. We need to be aware of this. That's number one. Number two is we need to think about how could we use some of this technology on our own. You know, there's a fascinating case study in the book about maybe the fastest growing community I've ever seen that's completely based on NFTs and owning these NFTs. And this community is, is creating a story and a culture and movies and books about the creatures that are in these NFTs. So you layer on top of that the metaverse and tokenized economies, and what that's going to do for creators and communities. What I hope people will see is they'll read the book and then they get to the end and they'll think, oh my gosh, this is just the beginning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mark's just hitting the type of tip of the iceberg here. That's so funny you say that because when I read the end, I was like, I'm going to start my interview with this. And when, when I originally planned to do that, but then I, I thought, you know what? I wanted to start with where it hit me on the heart level first, but yeah. To your point, it's actually good that you put it towards the end because it's going to be the, it's recency. It's the thing that people are going to think about as they leave the book, but, but carry on. Yeah. So I think that's the connection that you were asking me about the digital campfires and the connection to this technology that's creating the campfires. Number one, it's going to cause a big problem for marketers. Number two, it also creates a, an amazing opportunity 
for marketers if you're in on it early and understanding what's going on. So if, the, if somebody's, how could they be in on it early? How could they know what's going on so that they can capitalize on it? Well, there's a person I interviewed in the book who's someone I admire and, and, and she's become a friend, Sarah Wilson. And she has sort of said, this is the thing that fascinates me. This is going to be what I study. Uh, she actually coined this term, digital campfires. And I think what Sarah would tell you right now, in fact, what I know what Sarah would tell you right now, is we don't have the answers. We really don't. It's, it's an open field right now. One of the examples I give in the book, and I think this is a clue to where things are going, just isn't going to be able to come onto Discord and say, oh, here we are, you know, come into our Discord group. The brands are going to have to find a way to be native in those environments. So one example is Vans. Vans is a you know pretty well-established lifestyle brand, sort of a skateboard vibe kind of brand. So how do they insert themselves in this environment? They created their own world in the metaverse. It's a place you can visit. It's a place you can play. It's a place you can experience. So it's not like saying, here we are, listen to us, belong to us. They're being native to that community. There was another example about a hamburger chain, uh, Jack in the Box. They appeal to late night gamers, basically, because they're open all night or they're open till 2 a.m. maybe. And so they said, all right, who are our peeps? Comic-Con. You go to Comic-Con and we're going to sponsor the after party on Discord for Comic-Con. And they had bands and they had contests and they had all these crazy things. So they're saying, look, we're not trying to you know, create a Discord server that's relevant to you. They're saying, we're going to show up in your servers in a way that's relevant and, and interesting. We've got to be native to your experience. I don't know if that's the answer. That's one answer. That's one strategy. There are going to be others. But, you know, right now, many of our customers, a growing number of our customers are invisible. They're undetectable. They want to be. So we're going to have to find creative new ways to connect to them. Mm, that's interesting because going back to kind of the original catalyst for our conversation, and we think about that sense of belonging that we as humans innately want that at our core human level is so important to our happiness and being content in a digital world. It's a little bit different because you can still be invisible, but also feel like you're a part of something. How much of that is important? I wonder as I'm thinking this through, because you could be in a community, but also kind of be not super visible. How much is it important to not only just be in the community, but also be visible within that community? So very keen question. Very excellent question. Let me, let me answer it two ways. So the leadership mindset in a community is, is very different. And one of the themes you'll see in the book from my own experience and from others is that a key component of a successful community is safety. If you believe in this thing, you want to be in this place with other people who believe in this thing and you feel safe and supported and, and acknowledged. Okay. That's a reason, one of the reasons why Discord is so popular right now. It's just, it's, you know, it, it's basically Discord is the community platform for the gaming community, for almost any Gen Z community. It's, it's migrating into Discord. And the reason is you can't see them. You got to be invited in because they want to be safe. Now, the second part of your question was how important it is to be seen in the community. And you hit really on, in that question, the two most critical components, I think, of success in a community. One is the culture of safety. You know, my community, there's zero tolerance for toxicity, zero. This is a place that's nurturing and safe, and we're going to validate people and acknowledge people in a professional way. But 
The second thing I need to do in my community is dispense status. Let people know they've been seen, they've been heard, that they're important. And so in your question, embedded in your question is really the two most important things to community success and the two most important jobs of a brand or person leading a community. Thank you for that. That That's helpful. So let's go back to one thing that I read and I, I wrote a note to follow up on this because I, I was curious about it. You mentioned that communities are by nature weird. What, what do you mean by that? And, and for someone who hasn't had a chance to read the book, would love it if you could color in this concept because it's fascinating to think, you know, we think of communities and that would be one area that is interesting. Well, I think the context of, of this, you know, stating that, that, that communities are, are, are weird. I grew up in corporate America and there's a certain expectations and there's certain structures and there's certain norms. And when you get into a community, all that is gone. <laughs> <laughs> Out the window. You know, and it's, and it's great because instead of focusing on a quarterly sales goal or, you know, some project, you kind of have this freedom that's unleashed to participate or not participate, to collaborate or not collaborate. But it also sort of can create these weird collaborations. You know, I have a, a master's degree in applied behavioral sciences. And one of the things they learned is that you can't really think out of the box. By the time you're 15 years old, you sort of have a mental framework, a certain perspective of the world in place. And you can be creative and you can do lots of amazing things. But breakthrough thinking really occurs by combining boxes. You get me and you and other great you know, perspectives. Breakthrough creativity is the single best business case for diversity ever because you combine boxes, you combine experiences and perspectives. I have a, a, a long history in, in creativity and R&D, and I have seen this time and time again. You get these amazing breakthrough ideas by combining boxes. And that's part of the thing that's weird about communities because that's typically not the environment in a corporate setting. In corporate settings, you know, it's more about the leader and the individual contributor and your, you know, your annual performance review. All that is over when you get into a community. It's all about being humble and letting the community flow and letting these boxes combine in unique and collaborative ways. That's where the power is. As we look into the future and nobody's got a crystal ball, no one knows what will happen next, but I think your, your timing for this book could not be better because to the point you made earlier, we're still figuring this thing out. It's still wide open. And even though there's a lot of brands who've done it effectively, there's probably way more who have not done it effectively. 10 times more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like by an order of magnitude that haven't yet. And so it stands to reason that this will and already is a blue ocean of opportunity, not least of which is the technology that is moving at lightning speed. ChatGPT is sort of the, the darling of the day. Everyone's talking about, it's the darling, but it's also getting beat up left and right about all of the issues that it has. But I'm curious, as a futurist, as somebody that looks at marketing through the lens of what will happen or what's on the verge of happening, I'm curious what you see as some of the biggest trends that you see. I'll mention one as a, as a starter. I look at NFTs as a exclusivity play, as a play that will allow somebody to feel like they're a part of something where they could become, take my business, for example. You know, I have a podcast agency and, and maybe there's a, a space where we create an NFT, where we build our, our membership or our community, where people get certain things that, that others wouldn't get because they're a holder of this NFT. That's just an example. But I'm curious from your vantage point. You're also through that play, you're helping people feel like they belong to something. Yeah. So, I mean, hundred percent. 
Right. So, I mean, it's still kind of the same theme. Yeah. I think there's a huge potential for NFTs. I think we're having a shakeout on NFTs. Totally. Just like when we had, you know, the internet bubble pop, it, you know, that ended up being a good thing. You know, the NFT bubble pops look great. Cool. Get the charlatans out of there. You know, chat GPT, when chat GPT came out the first week it was out, I said words I've never said before in my life. I have a good track record of seeing how trends come together and seeing what comes next. I've never said these words. Here are the words. Marketing has been changed forever today, starting now. I've never said anything close to that. Even the internet. It took us years to really figure out what was going to happen, you know, with 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 the internet. You know, social media. You know, Facebook started out, you know, at a university. Nobody was saying this changes the world right now. ChatGPT changes the world right now because it unleashes artificial intelligence in a user-friendly way as accessible and easy to use as Google. And it does for content creation what the calculator did for math. When the calculator came out, there was all this controversy. Do we still need to teach math? We can't let people use calculators. Well, I mean, I love calculators. I haven't done long-form math in 25 years. It made everybody competent at math, even if you hated math. ChatGPT makes everybody a competent, perhaps excellent writer, strategist. It can do so many different things, creator. And it's just going to get better. We're just seeing the beginning. This thing is going to move ahead exponentially. So I think that is that is significant. That is definitely the future. I think it's going to displace a lot of jobs. There's a lot of defensiveness out there right now. You know, you probably see this too, Billy. You know, oh, well, you still have to be a great writer. No, you don't. To use ChatGPT effectively, you have to ask good questions. If you can ask good questions, you can now become a good writer. There's a person in my community. She's a mother. She's running a business. She's not a very good writer. She now is using ChatGPT. She's, you know what? I can write. I have all these ideas. And now I can blog every day. I can write a book. So it's going to unleash this new level of, 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 of creativity. And that's going to be wonderful. But it's also 100%, 100% going to threaten a lot of jobs. If you're delivering information, you're vulnerable. If you're creating insights, you're golden. And the only thing that will save us in this environment, and I've been shouting from the rooftops for seven years about this, is your personal brand. If you still have that emotional connection to an audience, they'll still come to you. They still believe you. They still trust you. So those are a few things I think on my radar screen right now. Wow. I, I mean, drop the mic. Way to way to bring it home, man. Thank you for that. That was so powerful. <laughs> Chat GPT does to content creation what the calculator did to math. That is powerful. And I'm I'm so grateful for the chance to chat with you. I always enjoy our conversations. And to say the least, my belief in community and the value of creating community was strong to begin with and is infinitely more strong having read your book and having been given not only the vast amount of knowledge and insight and studies and research. To your point, these aren't just your hypothesis. This is based on a lot of data, a lot of study, and a lot of third-party knowledge and observation. And so I want to thank you, Mark, for being on the show. So for those who want to learn more from you, Obviously, go pick up the book that we've talked about here on the show. By the way, your intro, the intro that I gave today, which I a little bit butchered, was written by ChatGPT. I wanted to have fun. That's the first time I've done that. Ah. So if something was something was wrong, that's the reason why. But go check out Belonging to the Brand, Belonging to the Brand, Why Community is the Last Great Marketing Strategy. And I mentioned a few of the other books, Marketing Rebellion, Known. You also have a workbook for known, the content code, social media explained, the Tao of Twitter, 
Return on Influence, Born to Blog, and of course, your website, businessesgrow.com. What, what am I missing? We have your, your Twitter, your LinkedIn. I'll include these in the show notes. Um, I want to make sure that you're able to uh, share anything that would be valuable for anyone listening right now to find you. Where else can they find you, Mark? Yeah, that's it. Uh, business, if you can, you know, you don't have to remember how to spell Schaefer. Nobody can. But if you can remember, <laughs> if you can remember businesses grow, then you can find my blog, my podcast, my books, all my social connections. And you can also find a tab on my website that says community. My community is free. It's open. And if you're interested in the future of marketing, uh, you're welcome to, to check it out. Yes. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Marketing Companion Podcast. Check it out. You'll find so many great insights. So Mark, it's been a joy. I am so grateful for you and all of the knowledge that you share to the world and on this show. Thank you for being on Inside Out. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. If you like this show, the best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You can also listen to past episodes and see a breakdown of all the best insights by going to insightoutshow.com. And for the record, there's no greater compliment than sharing this show with your friends on social media. So if there's an insight or a lesson that you liked, please share it and tag both me and today's guest. And until next time, remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.